church, I want you to write these down. I want you to remember these. Why I believe in the church. I believe in the church because Jesus believes in the church. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, a familiar passage of Scripture. If you've been a part of Church on the Rock for any length of time, you should know this Scripture. But in Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to set this up for you, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. The disciples were walking with Jesus as He's going about preaching the gospel of the good news. He's on his way to Jerusalem for the very last time to be crucified and to die. But before he goes to Jerusalem, he knows that he needs to teach his disciples a lesson. So as he's traveling down the road, he could go left and he would go toward Jerusalem, but he makes a decision, we're going to go right. And he goes right and he goes toward Caesarea Philippi. And he comes to Caesarea Philippi. And when you come into this city, let me set this up for you. you got to see this. There's a mountain here, and on top of the mountain sets the city. And in this mountain, it's been carved out, kind of smoothed out. And there are insets inside this mountain where they place idols. And there are different idols set along this mountain inset. And there are priests standing in front of those idols, different priests standing there. And this is a city plaza. People come this way to get into the city. And as they're coming this way, these priests are kind of hawking their God. They're saying, come, come, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about what my God can do. Let me tell you what the power my God has. And they're hawking their God right there as people enter the city. And right over here on this side is a deep, dark cave. There's a underground spring of water that comes up and there's a river that flows out of that deep, dark cave. And there's a cave over there and many of the Jewish people of that day would refer to that cave, that deep, dark cave, as the gates of hell, the place of the dead, the gates of Hades. Now, Jesus is standing in the city plaza. All of these gods are here in these mountains and all these priests are saying they're hawking their God. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this. Now let's read in Matthew chapter 16. And when Jesus came, verse 13, to the reason of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now in light of all of these gods, who are people saying I am? And they spoke up. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Well, it's good that people are talking about me, but let me get down to the real issue here. He said, but who do you say that I am? Let's get personal here. Who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up. Don't you just love Peter? He spoke up many times when he should have kept his mouth shut. But this time he was right in speaking up. Because Peter spoke up and he said, you are the Christ. You're the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. You're a little piece of the rock. And upon this rock, what's the rock? 
It's the rock of revelation. This revelation you just had. Upon this rock of revelation you just had, I'm going to build my church. And then he turns, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why was he saying that? Because he was about to go be crucified. He was about to go to the place of the dead. But he said the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church I'm going to build. And he says, I'm going to give you, those that have had this revelation, keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know what? I believe in the church because Jesus believed in the church. And he didn't just believe in it. He believes in it even today. This is The church is God's plan. This is not, there's not a plan B or a plan C. It's plan A. What's plan A? It's the church of the living God. And what is the church? This building, we drive by, you can go up down these streets here in this area. Wow. I see church building after building after building after building after building. And they all look at, oh, look at that church, look at that church, look at that church. No, that's not the church. This is just what? A building. Who is the church? We are the church. My son has a ministry uh, in England. He moved to England. Took my grandkids to England. Can you believe that? Took my grandkids to England. But he's moving over there because he felt like God had called him to go to England. And he started a ministry. And his ministry called I Am Church. He said, I'm not going to start a church. I'm just going there to be the church. And right now he's looking for a job. He's planning to get into marketplace ministry. What he does with himself is when they go into London, they live outside of London, and when they go into London, they get on the train, they ride the train everywhere, and they get on the train, and his wife gets in one car, and he gets in another car, and he sits down next to individuals, finds out how far they're going on the train, and if they're going a good distance, he asks them a question. Can we have a conversation? Would you like to have a conversation? Let me say this about the English people. They don't like to have conversations. They're not the friendliest people around. But he says, would you like to have a conversation? And they look at him and say, well, what do we want to have a conversation about? He says, I want to have a conversation with you about God. And he tells them why he is in the London area. And he says, I believe God sent me to talk to you because God wants to reveal himself to you. And he carries on a conversation with them. And he's met many people that way. One individual, or several individuals, got off the car with him when they came to their stop. He got off, they got off, and they stayed and listened to him for 15 more minutes because they wanted to hear what he had to say. And so he just says, I want to go and be the church wherever I'm at. If I'm at my son's school, if I'm at a restaurant, or if I'm on the train, I'm just going to be the church. And I am church. You are church. Would you look at your neighbor and say, you are the church. And look at him and say, I am the church. I believe in the church because Jesus believes in the church. Secondly, I believe in the church because of the good news it proclaims. You realize the church has the, the greatest news in all the world that we can be saved and delivered and changed and transformed. Do you believe it? This news that we have, that the church, only the church has this news, can change a person in an instant. 
can turn an alcoholic into a man that is sober and a good citizen in his community. It can take someone that is depressed and overwhelmed by life, and in an instant when they say yes to Jesus, it can take their life and fill them with the joy of the Lord that will be their strength. It can take a drug addict and set them free. In an instant, it can happen. You know, it can happen right here today in this place, right here in this altar. You could be one way, and you listen to the Word of God, you listen to the good news, you listen to the gospel, and you say yes to it. Oh, you can be changed in a moment. The gospel. I was, as I said a moment ago, I was in Nagaland. Nagaland was a state of 16 head-hunting tribes. That's what they were. They hunted heads for the fun of it. They didn't eat. They weren't cannibals. They didn't eat the heads. But if they were going to get married, the woman expected her fiancé to go get her a head from somebody in the other tribes, bring it home, and when you brought her that head, said, oh, I really love you. Can't you see? Look what I brought you. The Baptists came in in about 1860 or so, migrated down toward Nagaland and began to preach the gospel to these 16 headhunting tribes. And they were there at the right time, at the right moment, because these tribes said yes to Jesus and yes to the good news. And they were changed instantly from headhunters to those who were in love with Jesus. And it just traveled from one tribe to the other tribe to the other tribe. And now it's the only state in India that is considered a Christian state of India. They consider themselves 90% Christians. All of them consider themselves Baptists, even the Pentecostals, because of what the Baptists did for them. And I was there, and I got to experience uh, the great worship. They sang out of a Baptist hymnal. And in their language, it was beautiful, singing four-part harmony. And I saw young people there, most of them... Again, our farmers and the Baptists taught them so well. The Baptists taught them to fall in love with Jesus. The Baptists taught them how to sing. The Baptists taught them how to give. These are the most giving people I've ever seen. Probably because they come from Baptist roots. Baptists are great givers. Probably because they're farmers and they know about sowing and reaping. And they would give their little rupees. It's what they use monetarily is rupees, and they would give their rupees each and every service. And before we left, there were three of us that were there speaking. Before we left, they took up an offering for us. First time I've been on the mission field that they've actually received an offering for the speakers. And they all came and gave their rupees. And before we left, they gave me several thousand rupees. And I brought that home and gave it to the next group that will go back to India so they can have some money. to go. But I thought, wow. Something changed on the inside of these headhunting tribes. They're there. You know what? It's been prophesied about these tribes that they will send out 10,000 missionaries to go to places we couldn't go. They can go into China because they look Chinese. They can go to Burma. They can go to these places, and there are young people surrendering. I, I ask them, how many, what are you going to do with your life? I want to be a missionary. I want to be a pastor. I want to be an evangelist. And they're surrendering. We laid hands on one young man. We sent him out to go to his mission field. 
How awesome is it? That's the power of the good news. What's it say? Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. Romans 10, 15. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Romans 1, 16. For I'm not ashamed of the good news or the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes. To headhunters, if they believe, they can be changed by the power of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 says, Because our gospel or our good news came to you not only in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and full of conviction. Wow. The power of the good news. It has the power to change people in an instant. Some of you were changed in an instant. Some of you were lost. I mean, really lost. Do you know what the gospel can do? It can take a religious person. A religious person. I was a religious person. I grew up in church. I felt like I was pretty good. But religious people, you know what they do? They do all the good they can to get in the good graces of God. But when a person hears the good news, the real good news, then they don't rely on their good works. They rely on the good news. They rely on the fact that Jesus finished the work on the cross. And now they have a relationship with Jesus. I was religious but didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And the hardest people to win to the Lord is not the lost drunk. He knows he's lost. It's the person that sits in church every Sunday, thinks he's right with God, but very lost. Going to go to the same hell that anybody else would go to if he didn't accept the finished work of Christ. How many of you have been changed by the power of the gospel? Isn't it good news? That's the best news in the world. We have it. The church has it. I believe in the church because Jesus believes in the church. I believe in the church because of the good news we proclaim. Thirdly, lastly, I believe in the church because of the good works that come from the good news. Matthew 5.16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before men that they may, what? You know what it says? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When the gospel comes in to a people, then everything changes. Children that would never receive an education, all of a sudden, missionaries set schools in place and begin to educate the children. It happened in Nagaland. The gospel actually came to a place called Assam first. They refused the gospel, so they migrated down to Nagaland. And the Naga people said yes to Jesus, and they were born again. The missionaries started schools, and the literacy rate just skyrocketed. Those in Assam are still illiterate, many of them. Now the Naga people are going to Assam to preach the gospel. Maybe they'll be ready now. And they will establish schools. And it's happening. Everywhere the gospel goes, schools are established. Do you realize in our own nation, 
All of the Ivy League schools, I have it written down, all the Ivy League schools in our nation were established from the church. Harvard, uh, uh, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, Columbia, Williams and Mary, all started out of the church. It was actually started because it wanted to teach people the Word of God, teach people how to evangelize. All of the Ivy League schools started because of that. That's the power of the good news, the good works that comes from the power of the good news. That the church gets education. Hospitals are developed. I mean, you know, wherever the gospel goes, hospitals, medical centers. I was with a doctor on my flight back home who had just been, he's an Indian doctor, and he had just been back to India. He lives in America. He was back in India. He said, we were conducting a medical clinic where we saw 4,000 people in the time I was there. And this is what the gospel can do. Even people who have not yet received the gospel get to benefit from the gospel. Medical clinics, hospitals are set up. Think about it. The Baptist Hospital, Baylor Hospital, Presbyterian Hospital, Methodist Hospitals. You can go on and on and on. Medical clinics going on around our world right now. All because of the good news of Christ. The good works comes from the good news. Comes from the people of God. The Bible says to us, Jesus said, let your light shine before men. They may see your good works. And when they see it, they'll glorify your Father in heaven. In India, where we have a church on the rock, school, there are a thousand kids that attend the school in India. Every day, a thousand students from grade school to high school. Hindus, Muslims, Christian children are brought to the schools. And Hindus and Muslims allow their kids to come. Why? Because it's a great education. And I can stand out there when I go to India, and Sam and I have been there many times, and we go there, and we right before school, they all line up, a thousand students line up. They sing the song of India. Then they say the Lord's Prayer together. And then they sing a song of praise together. Hindus, Muslims, and Christians, all these little kids, their parents allow it to happen. Why? Because of the great education they're getting. They have a medical clinic on campus. People come from all around. Some are Christians, some are not Christians, but they come because they're going to get medical care. All because of the church. Let your light shine. And they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. One day, the Bible talks about that that which is restraining people from sin. You know, the Bible says we are the light of the world and we're what? The salt of the earth. We're the light. Uh, we live in a dark world. We just read about the scriptures, don't, don't we? In the world getting dark. Deep darkness is covering the earth. But the only light in the midst of that darkness is what? It's the church. You are the light. Jesus said you're the light of the world. You are. I am. I'm the light of the world. We are the only hope for this dark world. And you know what I believe? I believe there are people in darkness this morning that want to come out of that darkness. They don't want to be in that darkness. If you've ever been in darkness, it's miserable. And there are some miserable people today because they're in darkness. They want out, but they don't know how to get out. You know what they're dependent on? Someone 
to shine a light. When you go into a room, if we turned out all these lights, we come into this room, we wouldn't come in rebuking the darkness. I rebuke you, darkness. What would we have to do? Turn on the light. Turn on the light. And the darkness turns to light. And there are people in darkness saying, we don't know, need to go around rebuking the darkness. We need to be turning on our light. And it will lead people out into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the church is all about. I believe in the church because Jesus believes in the church because, because of the good news we preach and because of the good works that come from the church. One day, that which restrains, the Bible says, is going to be taken out of the way. What restrains this world from sin, right? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in you and me. We are the salt of the earth. A salt is a preservative. It keeps meat from rotting. We are a preservative in this world, believe it or not. We're holding back sin. Though we see sin rampant, we're holding it back. One day the church is going to be raptured and all hell is going to break loose. But right now we are the salt of the earth. We're the preservative. And salt also does something else. Salt adds flavor, doesn't it, to anything just adds flavor. We are here to add flavor. This church, Church on the Rock North, is to add flavor into this city. I hope you do. hope you bring flavor to this city. Salt also does something else. You may know what else salt does. It's preservative. It adds flavor. What else does salt do? You ever been to the movies? They advertise on the big screen popcorn. And then what do they advertise right after popcorn? They advertise Coca-Cola. Because if you eat popcorn, you're going to get thirsty. That's why they do that. And you walk in, you smell that popcorn, and you want it. Then you got to get something to drink because it's going to make you thirsty. You know what the salt the church is supposed to do? We're supposed to make this world thirsty for the things of God. Because one day we're going to be removed, and there's not going to be hope. The great tribulation is going to come. But right now, we're here. Right now, we're to be light. Right now, we're to be salt. Right now, we are to be doing the good works that He's called us to do so people can come to the message of this good news. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. But to each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Inside every one of you, God has placed a gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captives and he gave gifts to men. Inside of you is a gift. Inside of you is a treasure. And we're supposed to release that, that treasure. is supposed to be released so people can come and experience what we've experienced. I believe in the church. You know what? I believe in you. You're the church. You're the church. I'm the church. I believe in you. Jesus believes in you. You're not here by accident. You didn't say yes to Jesus, general whim. He was looking for you. He chose you. Now he wants to use you. You know the only thing we're going to take to heaven with us? Tell me, what are we going to take to heaven with us? 
the only thing we're going to take to heaven with us. People are the only thing we're going to take to heaven with us. Nothing else. We're not going to take our stuff. One man made a deal with God. He said, God, can I just take a little bit of my gold? Just a little bit. Yeah, a lot. God said, okay, you can bring it. Stood at the gate of heaven, and Peter came. He said, what do you got there? He said, I got a bag. He said, what's in it? Oh, I got some gold in it. Peter said, well, you don't need to bring that in here. He, oh, yeah, I made a dip. God said I could bring this in here. He said, well, I don't know why you want to bring pavement into heaven. Because the streets are paved with gold. We don't need, we're not going to take things with us. We're going to take people with us, which is more precious than silver and gold. So God's giving us an opportunity, as long as we're on this earth, to be that light, to be that salt, and to gather as many people as we can to go to heaven one day. I told the young people and I told all the pastors in Nagaland, I was saying, I said, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever see you again on earth but I will see you in heaven someday. And I said, when I get to heaven and I see you, I'm going to run up to you and say, tell me what God did through you. Tell me what you did. Show me the people that God allowed you to bring to heaven. When I get to heaven, oh, I don't want to go empty-handed. I want to go with a host of people that because I let my light shine, this church when he gets to heaven, you want to be there and you want to say, because of what we did as a church, we let our light shine. Look at all the people that are here because of the good news of Christ. I believe in the church. Jesus believes in the church. He believes in you. I believe in the church because of the good news we proclaim. The good news is in you. I believe in the church because of the good works we perform. We need to be out doing good works not for ourselves, not to get right with God, but because of what He's done for us. And He will receive glory from all of that. I believe in His church. How about you? Do you believe in the church? I hope you do. Because this is God's plan right here. This is God's plan. It has no other plan. He said, I'm going to build my church on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit showed up. Boy, the church was birthed. Boom! 3,000 people. 5,000 people. Then a multitude they couldn't even number came to know the Lord. That church is alive and well on earth today. No matter what they're telling you, no matter what the news is saying, no matter what we read, the church is alive and well all around the world. The church is alive in Beaumont, Texas today. Church, you are the church. Can I pray for you today? Lord Jesus, I come thanking you for your church. Lord, thank you for every living stone that's in this room that makes up the church. Thank you for the gift that I see standing before me. You placed a gift in each of these individuals. Lord, thank you for the light that they bear. Thank you for the salt that they are. Lord, I believe in the church. I believe in every individual that makes up the church. And Lord, here today I pray that we would understand who we are. Lord, that you built us in to one another. 
that we could be a testimony of what you've done and what you're doing in the world in which we live. Lord, as long as we're here, till the church is raptured, Lord, may we be a light to those that are in darkness. Some of you have family members that are in darkness. They don't want to be there. They're miserable. Let's pray for them right now. There may be someone in this room that's in darkness. It's all around you. But you don't really want to be there. You want to come to the light. We give you an opportunity to come to the light today. Father, we pray for family members and friends that we know are in darkness. Lord, we know they're miserable. And Lord, we pray because we feel like you've made them ready. And Lord, we must go and be around them and let our light shine. Lord, so they can see the light and come to the light. And Lord, for someone that even may be in this room right now. Lord, but they know they're in darkness. They haven't yet come to the light. Lord, they haven't been changed by this good news. Lord, I pray today would be the day they would say yes to you. And instantly, Lord, their life would be changed forever. Lord, when they die, they know they're going to enter right into heaven. If you're here today, I have to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If you're here and you've not said yes to Jesus, you've not come out of that darkness, but you say today, I want to come out of the darkness and into the light. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? I want to come to the light today. I don't want to be in this darkness. I want to come to the light. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you've come out of that darkness into light, would you do something? Raise your hand up. Just say, Lord, thank you for bringing me out of darkness. Thank you for bringing me into the light. Thank you for making me a part of the church, the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I'm going to make a difference in the world in which we live. Lord, we're going to do it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. I believe in you. Jesus believes in you. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with you. One day we'll be in heaven together. And we'll get to talk about what Jesus did with us. Let me just tell you, people in Beaumont, in this region, you know what? They need Jesus. I notice... New housing going on. New apartments being built. People coming into this area. You know what? You're here for a reason. Let your light shine. And let's see what God will do with us for His glory. Amen? God bless.